I never felt it at the beginning. I, I felt it a little bit when he asked me to do a giveaway with him at the beginning. And I was like, hell yes, because that's going to help us grow our Instagram. You have like 40,000 Instagram yeah. <laughs> followers. But I had like 500 or something the first time I did a giveaway with him. And I just felt horribly... Um, it felt horribly unbalanced. Mm. Like he's giving all of this to me and I'm not giving anything back to him. Um, so that was the only time that I was very aware of that. Like, and, and more just at that point, I like loved Pete and wanted to make sure, like he was so kind to me. I wanted to make sure that I was reciprocating in some way. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, before we dive in, just want to give a quick, quick thank you and shout out to our friends over at TouchStay. TouchStay enables hosts to build beautiful digital guidebooks in a matter of minutes. They help you enhance the entire guest experience by packaging your recommendations for coffee, wine bars, artisan bakeries, and Michelin star restaurants in a single online location. Guests can access everything through a simple link. And yes, it works without a Wi-Fi connection, which is super key, especially if you're in a more remote location. TouchStay allows you to customize your guidebook to match your brand. You can pick the colors, fonts, and images that best align with your short-term rental. Learn more about a plethora of other features they have and start your free trial at touchstay.com forward slash BTS. That's BTS as in behind the stays. Thank you, TouchStay, for making this conversation possible. In just a moment, you'll meet Janice Smith, the creator of the Cozy Rock Cabin, a 750 square foot cabin on three acres of wooded land in Freeport, Maine. Janice has always had a knack for project management, and this skill has served her well as she led an ed tech startup, launched her own video production agency, and brought not one, not two, but three cozy Airbnbs to life. Now, Janice has used Instagram to promote all of her homes, but one in particular, the Cozy Rock Cabin, has become what some might call Insta-famous, having garnered over 70,000 followers. Tune in to hear the moving story of why Janice wanted an Airbnb in Freeport to begin with, how she DM'd the creator of the Raven House, which is one of the OG Insta-worthy cabins, and convinced him to help her develop the plans of her own cabin, and her theory on why Jimmy Kimmel follows the Cozy Rack cabin on Instagram. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Janice. All right, Janice, we're live. How are you doing today? Great. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. I am really excited for this chat because I, I was actually looking back in my email and I think I first like DM'd you on Instagram in like March or like February of this year. And it's taken oh, us shit. like that, that long to find like a day uh -huh. at a time that's worked. So um, in fact, during our, I usually do these like 10 to 15 minute like pre-interviews with folks. And we had ours while I was in like Woodstock, Vermont. I was staying at like the Woodstock Inn um, nice. there. And I distinctly remember like huddling in my hotel room trying to like have a chat with you. But um. Anyways, thanks for taking the time. Uh, how are we you doing? We finally made it happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are you are in uh, one of your 
places. Um, and we're gonna, I want to dive into all of that. And you've been, um, I feel like even since we've talked, you guys have grown a ton. So eager to dive into a little bit more about who you are and, and your story. But one of my favorite things to do on the show is to ask folks this question, which is if I were to crash up a happy hour with you and, and some of your closest friends, Janice, and if I were to ask them to tell me a little bit about you, what is it that you think they might say? Um, they would probably start by telling you that I'm a little bit crazy. I think a lot of my good friends I've known most of my adult life. I met most of them when I first moved to North Carolina rock climbing. So a lot of good friends who've just seen me through many different stages of life. But I think the one common theme would be like, she's always got a crazy new idea and she's always throwing herself into it 110% and who knows what's going to happen. So that would probably be the first thing that they tell you. That's she has a lot of energy and that also, I definitely <laughs> have a lot of energy and they would probably comment on that. So you, I assume since you said you moved, when you moved to North Carolina uh, as an adult, where, where did you grow up? Like, where did you live before that? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college in DC college and then DC. came yeah. to North Carolina. I did teach for America right out of college and oh, they no placed way. me rural North Carolina, which was my number one choice. And then I came down here and never left. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. And what, like, what did you do by, I want to get into, again, a little bit more about the, your your business and and how you've grown it. But I know that, um, at at least if, if my memory serves me correctly, the last time we connected, you worked in like marketing or branding or, or, or something like that. Is that true? Close. I work, I run a video production company ah, in even cooler. Durham, North okay. Carolina, but we do a lot of commercial work and through over like the last 10 years, really, we started just making films and huh. then very quickly learned that a film can be beautiful and moving and still not very strategic for your brand if you don't have like a deep understanding of brand identity and target market. So it didn't take us very long to start throwing ourselves more into the branding piece of it, just mm. so that the films that we were making were really strategic from step one all the way through execution. So technically, we're a video production company, but we do a fair amount of work helping our clients think through branding and marketing. Oh, that's awesome. Do you have like a favorite project that you've worked on in like the last, I don't know, 12 months? In the last year, we are so lucky. I have so many cool clients. I would say right now, the one I'm most excited about, and all of us, there's three of us who are full-time on my team and we all have different interests, which I love. So if you asked each one of us, which project right now we're most excited about, I could probably tell you which one we would each answer and they're all different. (laughs) For me, an old friend of mine is um, a lactation consultant, which I don't have kids. I don't think we're going to have kids. So this isn't like a particular passion project for me, but she is an amazing, badass lactation consultant who said all of the books out there for moms right now are way outdated. They're not serving women. They're not serving, not even just women, but like parenting is more gender inclusive now than it ever was. And these books are showing one type of woman doing it one type of way. And she is just not like that. She described herself as a rabble rouser. And (laughs) so she's rewriting basically what women have traditionally used. And she's putting QR codes in the book and we're doing Um, all these instructional videos. So you're reading this book and then you can like click on the, or take a photo of the QR code and actually see what she's talking about. It makes it so much more accessible. And then we're doing her marketing films too. But I just, my passion project are clients who I think are truly creating something that needs to exist in the world. And they're just doing it in a different way. And so many of my friends are becoming parents now that I see this like very deep need and she's filling it with just a very unique 
uh, project and we get to be a part of it. So that's that's my answer right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. And actually, uh, it's quite called Feed the Baby. Feed and the Baby. Pre-orders okay. are available now on Amazon for anyone who might have kids. Wonderful. I love that. I, it's funny. My, my wife is like, she's due in three weeks with our first kid. So we've been literally like Googling this shit like already and like trying to figure out yeah, what is, I didn't even know that there were like lactation consultants. Like, I had no idea yes. that was even a thing. So uh, Well, very one of timely. our clients from last year is Mommy Labor Nurse, who has a ton of online courses for new parents. So you okay. should check her out too. I also think she's doing amazing work and we did all the the video work for those courses. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. Um, well, as much as I love talking about lactation consultants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't think this podcast was going to start there, did I know, you? No, no. Hey, I, but this is why I love podcasting. You never know. You never know where people's like, you know, interests lie or, or you know, uh, how their story has developed, which makes it uh, so much fun. Um, but right. talk to us a little bit about your first time staying at like an Airbnb or your very first introduction to short-term rentals. Yes. So actually, this is how old school I am when it comes to short term rentals. My first experience traveling as a guest was using couch surfing ah. and not Airbnb. So it was pre Airbnb kind of I like to think of it as the organic hippie roots of Airbnb before it was all about money. It was really <laughs> just about the travel and like welcoming people into your home. And how do we do this in a way that we can both host people and show them our home and area and also then travel and have other people do the same for us totally free. So I was like, when I learned about couch surfing, I was like all in. And my first experience was in the mountains of North Carolina. It was only my second time ever going to Boone, okay. which now we have a cabin there and I love it. And I stayed with a guy named Jared, total hippie. His whole house had like murals everywhere. Even his lights had like these beautiful, colorful paintings on them. I was in a room. I can't remember if I was on a couch or in a room. There were multiple other people crashing there at the same time that I was. I remember going to sleep to like a jam session in the living room with like a piano and a flute and a guitar of just like all these guests just like making music together. And then during the day, I went off to this summer class I was taking about teaching. And I brought my puppy with me and he would like take my puppy on walks in the woods. And oh I came gosh. home and my dog was happy. I was happy. And I was like, this is what travel should look like. Like, this is so much more than just a place to sleep. I'm meeting people from all over. He's telling me where I should get food, what I should do. It was just, and maybe that's why I love Boone so much now and started traveling there regularly and then eventually bought a place there was because my first introduction was from someone who lived and loved there. And mm. I thought that was really great. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what a cool introduction too. Because I feel like nowadays, right, like uh, short-term rentals have become, you know, or at least, you know, one category of them have become these like luxe, like boutique escapes where like there's no human interaction. You show up, you use your, you know, uh, door, your special door code to get in. You don't even yes. have to think or talk to anybody and you're in this like beautiful like very like highly curated well-designed space um and like that's like such a and i you know i love that stuff don't get me wrong but like that's like such a contrast um from how it all first started like it literally did start surfing. yeah yeah that is not what made me fall in love with it ever it was always always from day one about the people even in bad situations, like one of my first Airbnb traveling experiences was in a bedroom in an apartment and the dude was throwing a party that night. He was probably like 25, <laughs> had a bunch. And it was just like we were trying to fall asleep in this room while a party raged outside our door. Right. Yeah. But it was really inexpensive and it was still probably better. We couldn't afford much at that time. We were a lot younger. And even that, though, helped shape my experience of what Airbnb is. And that's why when I first hosted, it hmm. was in a bedroom in my own house. Oh, it wow. wasn't. 
And and for me, that's why I did it. Like, yes, the income was nice, but I loved meeting people and I love my city. So getting to show people my favorite restaurants and like curate that experience for them was why I first started. And so talk to us about uh, the series of events that led up to that. Did you just one day think, oh, hey, you know, <clears throat> what do people do? Like, is couch searching still, still a thing today? And then you did some Googling and then realized, oh, everyone's like doing this Airbnb thing now. Or like, what is the what were the events that led up to you hosting from your own home? Yeah. So in between couch surfing, those first couch surfing experiences, I ended up buying a 120 year old mill house in downtown Durham really inexpensively. I was a teacher. It was all I could afford and gutting it and renovating the whole thing. And so I lived there with roommates the first couple of years. Okay. And then I ran an ed tech startup huh. and ended up going out to San Francisco because I got accepted into an accelerator out there. It was the sister accelerator of the one that Airbnb had gone through only oh, a couple of years okay. prior yeah. to when I was there. So my investors and advisors were also investors in Airbnb, and they thought of those founders and spoke of them very highly. So mm. I feel like every lesson we got from them, there was always a like the Airbnb founders. This is what they did. <laughs> and they were talking about them all the time. And at that point, it was a smaller company. But when I moved back from San Francisco, I got rid of my roommate and was like, I'm going to try this Airbnb thing. Like I've been hearing about it for six months. I'm going to try this. And like immediately was sold. And huh. to be clear, this was not a high-end Airbnb. I had a futon couch because I thought no one would stay with us. So I was like, well, I want to be able to use it as a, you know, an office uh, yeah, with a yeah. couch when people aren't there. And so it was like a very humble Airbnb. We didn't charge a lot, but we've, we hosted there for two or three years before I moved out um, into a neighborhood where I wasn't allowed to host in my own home anymore. Wow. And loved almost every stay. Like I just loved hosting people. My boyfriend at the time did not love it as much as I did. And he lived with me. So he had to cap the amount of days I was allowed to book per month. And then I had to block <laughs> off the rest. I would have, I would have hosted every night of the week if I could have, but. Were there, is there like one or two quick stories you could share about like the people that you hosted in your, in your home? Cause I feel like, you know, that at least a lot of the people that I have on, on this particular show, like they're not hosting out of their own home. And I feel like that is such a, it's a totally different like way of doing this. And like culturally it's so different and super, super fun and interesting and engaging, but also like maybe by some people's standards, like a little weird. Right. Um, so like who, who, like any particular story stand out in your mind is like great examples of entertaining yes. people that walked through your door. Yes, I have so many. Um, but probably the one that stands out the most to me was a woman from outside Dublin, Ireland, and she was a therapist coming to Duke. So Durham obviously has like Duke, NC State, UNC. So there's just a lot of stuff that brings people to the area outside of tourism, and they just need a place to crash. She was in town for a week-long conference at Duke and was super friendly. In the first couple of days, we would chat a lot. I would always offer her dinner. And then a hurricane hit. I can't remember which one, but a hurricane came and I was like, freezing bags of water in the fridge and like we were like hunkering down and getting ready and we ended up like cooking together that night and sharing wine and this was about halfway through the stay and we were like all night just talking in the kitchen standing around the island and she was the nicest woman and when she left at the end of her stay she left me this really long handwritten note like she didn't even really use airbnb i think her husband booked the stay for her <laughs> so she left me a really long note with just how grateful she was and really wanting us to come to ireland and stay with her and get to experience like her hometown that's like one good example. There was also a yoga event that was happening. And this really cool dude who was like a yoga teacher, he came and stayed with us for, I think it was like a week and like was just a, a really awesome. There's just so many good people who yeah. came through um, that those are a couple. 
I'm trying to think. Those are those are great ones. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I I feel like I feel like one of the one of the things that comes to mind. So I I may have mentioned this to you last time we spoke, but my wife and I like lived full time on Airbnb for like a year and a half until we met like tons. So we we've never hosted um, anyone in in our own home, but um, we got the privilege of like meeting. And we actually I don't think we ever stayed. Yeah, we never stayed in someone's actual home, but we stayed on several uh, properties that was Mm -hmm. were like a guest house, right? And so like the the hosts like lived on property, right? Was just Mm -hmm. in a separate structure and those were some of our our favorite stays um and i I feel like if you need and and all these hosts whenever we talk to them about like how like who who's come through here and like who have you met and whatnot uh, they they all seem to have like very very positive experiences and i I feel like uh, Susie, who's one of our favorite hosts of all time one of the things she'll say is like if you if you want like like if you, if you need to remember that there are great people in the world, like if you need to yes. remember that there is goodness from people of all walks of life, right? Like become an Airbnb host because like you get to meet a lot of these incredible people from all over the place who you might never, ever cross paths with yes. otherwise. Yes. I will never forget morning coffee when one day with a guest and it was this like she's probably in her 20s queer rabbi just like totally like tattoos like just a super cool like flipped in my mind what I thought of as like a rabbi and like just sitting on the my back deck drinking coffee in the morning and just the conversations that happened and the perspective shifts that happened like not only was she nice but she also was just smart and yeah self-aware and really deep and like those conversations that's like there are so many good people and people always ask about horror stories and I I have funny stories but I don't really have any stories about like bad humans ever I can't think of one that's amazing that's amazing so lots of good dogs we hosted we had two dogs in our house and hosted (laughs) people with dogs and they would come and like go to a wedding and I would like stay at home and like cuddle with their dog in my bed (laughs) and it was like the best and that's how I would want my dogs treated if I were traveling at an Airbnb to know that they were like cared for and loved. So those were some of my favorite guests too. Yeah. The, the furry ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. That's like so gentle. Like I, I can imagine like it's hard enough to host somebody in your, somebody else in your home, but also to invite their pets in too. It's, it's also like very, that's next level generous. Um, yeah. But dog owners are like the best people. Everyone yeah, always asks true. about that's that because all our properties are dog friendly with the exception of one that I split with my sister who's allergic, but all <laughs> of mine are dog friendly and people are always like, Oh, I'm so nervous to do this. And I'm like, Oh my God, I have zero horror stories yeah. about animals. Yeah, I guess um, I guess like if you're going to bring your dog on vacation with you somewhere too, like they're going to be a well-trained animal, right? Like like usually, they're yeah. usually, you know, you'd hope anyways. Um and so that's that's a good that's a good point for people to keep in mind. Hey guys, so I have to tell you this really quick story about my experience with short-term rental host guidebooks. So two years ago, my wife Gabby and I were on a podcast roadshow. We were actually collecting stories for this podcast, Behind the Stays, in the greater Asheville area. So we arrived in Asheville a couple of hours before our check-in, and we asked our host if there were any good recommendations for a lunch spot. He responded saying that he had a plethora of recommendations in his guidebook, but that we should certainly check out Wicked Weed Brewing Pub. So we went to the pub and our burgers were absolutely delicious so we couldn't wait to uncover what other recommendations he had in his guidebook but upon arrival there was no guidebook to be found we looked on the kitchen counter the dining room table even the closet of the guest bedroom but nope no guidebook 
Now, we're not that extra, but we were pretty high up in the mountains and the internet service was spotty at best. So it made it really difficult to kind of figure out where we should go to dinner. So after 30 minutes of searching, we sat down on the couch and my wife said, why aren't there digital guidebooks for guests? Well, as it turns out, there are. And our new friends at Touchstay are the industry leaders. Touchstay enables hosts to build beautiful digital guidebooks in a matter of minutes and enhance the guest experience by packaging your recommendations for coffee, wine bars, artisan bakeries, and Michelin star restaurants in a single online location. Guests can access everything through a really simple link. And yes, it works without a Wi-Fi connection. Touchstay allows you to customize your guidebooks to match your brand. You can pick the colors, fonts, and images that best align with your STR, and it only costs $99 a year. Learn more about a plethora of other features they have and start your free trial at touchstay.com forward slash BTS, as in behind the stays. Oh, and while we didn't ever find our Asheville host guidebook, the cleaners did. It was in the trash. Apparently the guests before had spilled a whole pot of coffee on it, and they were so embarrassed that they threw the whole guidebook away. I guess it was a blessing in disguise though, because we told our host about Touchstay, and a year later, when we went back to his cabin, Touchstay was there, and it was absolutely perfect. So start your free trial of Touchstay at touchstay.com forward slash BTS. Again, that's BTS as in behind the stays. All right, guys, back to the show. I want to talk about cozy rock cabin and i want i know like that's sort of like the flagship that's your like big instagram brand um and and i want to hear like where this idea came from to go from hosting in your own home you move to to ultimately building this this portfolio of of homes like what what is where in your mind does the story for cozy rock cabin start I think there's two points there. The first one is the word portfolio is really hard for me because I think in the short-term rental world, there are several perspectives and approaches that hosts are coming from. Yeah. And the one that you hear about most often on podcasts and in conversation, it's on like Instagram accounts called like bigger pockets. Like that's the one that immediately yeah, comes yeah. to mind, right? <laughs> Where it's like all about this is an investment portfolio. This is like a strategy to diversify where your money is going all of these things. And I have never and still don't think about my properties as a portfolio Mm. at all. It started in my home. Like, yes, I can help pay my mortgage, but mostly I just think this is a cool thing to do. Boone in the mountains of North Carolina, I had fallen in love with that trip I told you about while couch surfing. So always had a dream of buying a cabin there. And 10 years later did. Slightly different than Cozy Rock. It's much larger. And it was a foreclosure. So I didn't really get to shape my vision other than the decorating and the the rehab of it, but still got to host from a distance. So it was a different hosting experience for me, but it meant the only reason I wanted to do that to begin with was twofold. One, so that I could go to the mountains and spend more time there and afford it in my twenties versus in my sixties when I'm retired. Yeah. And two, I love Boone and wanted to be able to share that with other people, wanted to host people and help point them to like my favorite trails or my favorite restaurants. And that's totally how it started. So the dream for Cozy Rock started the same way, which is my mom's whole side of the family is in Maine. I've come to Maine my whole life during the summer. Love it. 
at that point, my uncle, aunt, two cousins, and my grandma and grandpa were both still in Maine, all within like 15 minutes of each other. So I had joked for years and my uncle owns like 25 acres of land that my both of my cousins now live on. So I joked for a while that I was going to like sneak a tiny house into the woods or (laughs) or have my cousin build me a tree house so that I could be closer by and have my own place to stay while going up there. Because at that point I was traveling up Let's see. When my mom died in 2016, I started going up there more often. So I was mm. going up like four times a year and I just wanted a place to stay. So I was like joking about it. But the thought was always there that if I ever build or ever buy another one, it's definitely going to be in Maine. Yeah. And so that's where it started kind of as a joke. And I like couldn't afford it. So it was like a one day kind of conversation. When my grandparents died, they left me some money And I have never been really into stocks or like boring investments. So, but I'm obviously not going to like just spend a bunch of money. So I was like, okay, this is the time. Like now I can finally start. I have some parameters. I have a budget for land. I can actually start looking. And that's when it like, and my cousin at this point, he had been a builder for a while, but at this point had started his own company. So that made the dream like a little bit more possible. I know exactly who would build it. All I have to figure out is land and what I want to build. Wow. So that's when it started. It was not a big vision of expanding a portfolio. What it is now is not what I had even like dreamed mm. would happen originally. I just wanted to be able to spend more time in Maine in a place that I loved and then show other people Maine a place that I loved. Wow. Wow. That is uh that is quite uh quite the lead up. That's amazing. So you have this idea you want to solve a very practical need, right? Which is to just spend more time with your your family, be closer to folks that, that you love. Um, you have a family connection in the space who who's a builder, somebody that you could tap into to for support. And that and that's super cool in and of itself, but like that that's very different, right? Than you know, figuring out how to or that doesn't that doesn't necessarily solve for the problem of like how would I even build my own thing? Like how would I even begin concepting what it would look like to build a house from scratch? So so what do you do next? Like how do you go from realizing that, hey, the the framework uh, is is here. This this is this is a possibility. But how how do you actually bring it to life? That part was not that challenging for me because first of all, I knew that I was not going to build this house with my two hands. Aside from now, my now husband at the time boyfriend. I don't even think we were engaged yet. He is very handy. Okay. So it's not okay. out of the realm of possibility that we could have built it. But living as far away as we did, both with full time jobs, it just it would have been like a ten year project if we did it that way. And we just knew that's not what we were going to do. So I knew from the beginning, the actual building of it, as soon as I got Corey to sign off that he would be willing to do this project, I knew that that part would be taken care of. The rest of it in my mind is all project management, Mm. which I have a, a decent amount of experience with. And I had already hosted. So I knew exactly what hosting looked like. So I knew I had this like 10 month window of a build to prep everything I needed for hosting. I have an interior designer that I'd used in my house. I knew immediately I was going to ask her to do the design work. The only real thing was finding land and then finding the plans. Like, what did we want this cabin to look like? Now, the good news is, is I had a pretty clear vision of what I wanted because I have been a lover of cabins. I mean, honestly, I remember drawing them on like graph paper in elementary school. Never a big house, always a small, cozy, intimate, just enough space kind of thing. Like I'd been dreaming about that literally since I was probably 10 or younger even. So I had in my mind, like what I wanted it to feel like. I just needed to find someone who could bring that feeling to life. And that's where Instagram is really helpful because I was scrolling and 
you know, saving things that I thought I might like until I found the original Raven House cabin. Yeah. And the minute I found that on Instagram, I kind of stopped scrolling and I was like, wait, no, this is it. Like, I actually like this isn't even just like I'm going to take this like this is what's in my brain. And I bought the plans immediately. And then I looked at them and realized, okay, it's almost it. Because it didn't have (laughs) bathrooms and it didn't really have a bedroom and it didn't have running water. And I was like, okay, we might need to tweak this a little bit. And that's when I reached out to Pete and was like, hi, like, I love this plan, but I kind of need a bathroom. Like, do you ever customize? What what could we do from here? Yeah. And he was like, and at first, I think he was busy at the time, but then not shortly after he's like, okay, let's just like hop on a call and talk. And I don't know what that was. I apologize. Oh, no, I didn't even hear Um, anything. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, And that first phone call, I was like totally sold. Like not only is Pete the guy that I want to work with, but like he understands my vision. He understands my priorities. This is something we can build together. And he also understood my urgency because I am the type of person where when I have an idea, like we're just like pedal to the metal. Let's go right now. Why would we wait? Right. Like there's no reason to wait. And he like appreciated that too and jumped on board. And so I think within a couple of weeks, we had a adjusted plan that had a bedroom, a bathroom, a utility closet. It was not on piers, but it was now on a slab. Like we made all these changes. And then my cousin really helped to adapt that to US building code yeah. and what his team could do and his recommendations for Maine versus another location. So kind of having both of these people that I really trusted and valued, then it's just like managing all of the pieces. And that part, like I have the tools, I have the experience. I felt more than okay project managing it. Yeah, yeah, which I feel like is often like one of the big the big stressors for people because a lot of people that get into the space, right? Like they might have a design background or they might even be a, a you know tried and true real estate investor, right? And there are elements of that for sure, but I think I think the the actual build and like the soup to nuts of like how the hell are we going to go from this idea to like a place where we can welcome uh, strangers from the yes. internet, right? That yeah. that is like the big stressor uh, for for a lot of folks. So cool, cool, like to to hear that for you. That was that that was the easy part. Well, and partially because this was not my first build. Like yeah. that Millhouse in Durham, I ended up being the general contractor for the second half of the project. And so that I had a lot of experience knowing like in what order things go and like managing multiple pieces at once and understanding that we can't do this until this happens. Yeah. And then the house that I moved into from there was also a new build. Now that was very much in a neighborhood. You have a couple plans to choose from, but I was still very much in the decision-making project management side of that. Yeah. And so having two under my belt and running my own business where we manage 20 to 30 projects at a time, I had the tools already lined up. And honestly, we do cabin consultations now one-on-one with folks who have questions. And that is the one piece that I wish more people would ask me about. Like, I honestly wish people would be like, okay, I'm at the very beginning stage. I'm just a dreamer. I have the plans. I'm looking for land. I need someone to help me manage all these and set up my systems for me. No one ever asks about that, right? They ask about like, how do I get more Instagram followers, which is real (laughs) and understandable. But I'm like, this is what you really need to be thinking about right now. And that's the part that I had no trouble with because I'd done it. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? 
And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. I want to I want to circle back quickly to the Raven House because for those who might not be familiar, and you can correct me if if you think I'm wrong here, Janice, but like uh, the Raven House is 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 one of those like OG like Instagram cabins that like got insta famous right before it like was a thing, and it's just you know it's a, the the quintessential as we would think about it today like Instagram worthy cabin, um, but 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 like I have to imagine right like at the time that you came across it. Uh, did you feel like any sort of like imposter syndrome and like DMing, uh, DMing them and, and being like, Hey, yo, I like this. I bought your plans. I want help. Like, cause I feel like if I saw, if I were in your shoes, I'd be like, there's no way this person would work with me and, or there's no way I could afford it even if, you know, they would. So Mm. did you encounter any of that or, or, or not really? Not when I sent the first message. I think along the way, there was a little bit of that. First of all, Pete is the nicest, most grounded human you'll ever meet. So there was never even a hint of that from him. Hmm. From the first message on, he was just like, love what you're thinking of. Let's see how I can help. Like, just the best. Never charged me for a single phone call when I was working with him, which he absolutely should. So if he is now, good for him. (laughs) But at the time was just like, no, let's collaborate and had very similar energy I don't know. I never felt it at the beginning. I, I felt it a little bit when he asked me to do a giveaway with him at the beginning. And I was like, hell yes, because that's going to help us grow our Instagram. You have like 40,000 yeah. Instagram followers. <laughs> but I had like 500 or something the first time I did a giveaway with him. And I just felt horribly, um, it felt horribly unbalanced. Mm. Like he's giving all of this to me and I'm not giving anything back to him. Um, so that was the only time that I was very aware of that, like, and, and more just at that point, I like loved Pete and wanted to make sure, like, he was so kind to me. I wanted to make sure that I was reciprocating in some way, but he never made me feel like that. And no, when I first messaged him, I was just one of those clueless people who was like, of course he'll answer my question. You know, like he, of course he has time to answer tons of DMs and he did. So luckily. And, and remind me, Janice, when exactly was this, was this, uh, how long ago was this? September of 2020. September I think 2020. I sent him okay. the message in August. We didn't have land yet. I sent him the message and I then found a piece of land shortly afterwards. And then we were working on it while we cleared the land. And then we had to wait a little bit for, uh, I think, our building permit because someone in the office got COVID and it just yeah. took a while. Yeah. So okay. that was when we were like nailing down a lot of the details. So that was that was like right before I feel like people went crazy and like everybody started like buying and building and like you know, trying to, trying to spin up these, these short-term rentals, right? Cause I feel like that was more like 2020 mid, mid to maybe later 2021 is when like, it, it, it seemed again, like perspective is everything, but it seemed that like uh, a lot of folks who had never been in this space uh, decided to come into this space hmm. more, you know, maybe it was some COVID money. Maybe it was just more time. Maybe, you know, it could have been a number of different things. It was a number of different things. Um, so you, so you guys got in like, right before this this all went crazy but still so in in a couple years you've gone from 
um, you know, not being Insta famous to, to, you know, having an incredible following on Instagram. And I know that, you know, you're probably tired of teaching people how to grow their Instagram following. So I'll be careful with my questions here, but, but I do, I do, I do just want to ask about like how you, how you thought about, uh, building a brand like what what, what, would you have even used the words oh I want to build a brand Uh, when you started was it was it clear to you that Instagram could be used as this like vehicle to to generate bookings or like I guess what was your perspective going into when you when you first created that initial account it was twofold the first and biggest reason because I have an Instagram for our first cabin in Boone and used it very little still use it very little and it was more of I viewed it more as a supplement to the guest experience. Like, mm. let me post about places to eat, things to do, so that when you're here, I even made like IGTV IGTV videos answering commonly asked questions: How to start the Super Nintendo in the basement? If the pilot <laughs> light goes out on the gas fireplace, here's let me show you how you turn it back on. Really, as a way to like make my life easier and make guest experience better. So I knew it could be a tool, but that was how I viewed it. And followers didn't matter at all. I just wanted it to be there for folks who were staying with us. For this property, I was very nervous. I knew Maine was the location. I studied it before AirDNA. I studied it very like, I literally messaged every single host in Freeport. And at that time, there were only like 20. I messaged all of them. I'm sure it was very annoying and I felt bad doing it. But I was like, hey, tell me more about the off season. Like what, (laughs) what can I expect? What does that look like? And I became nervous about the off season, something I hadn't dealt with in the past. And again, because Freeport mattered to me, it wasn't like I was going to switch locations. It was more, this is where I'm going. And if there's an off season, then I need to troubleshoot how to bring people here in the off season. And also I'm not convinced that Maine isn't just as wonderful in the, in the off season as it is in the summer. And I like spending winter at the cabin now more than even summer. But I knew that was going to be a thing. So I started it originally thinking, if I put some time into this, I want this to be not necessarily for people who are traveling to Freeport anyway, and this will be a good option for them. I want to bring people to Freeport by creating something special. And Mm. that was kind of my vision. But I knew if that was my approach, I had to figure out a marketing tool that would find those people. And I was comfortable with Instagram because I'd used it for my business for like 10 years. So that was the obvious choice. And at heart, I'm a document documentarian, which is why I run a video production company. So documenting the process was very natural for me. So at yeah. the beginning, I yeah. was thinking if we have a couple thousand followers, that'll help bring people here. I'm just going to like really document this. And most of our first followers were all friends and family who were just wanted to know what was going on. And Jimmy Kimmel, what? weirdly, was one of our first 200 followers on weird. Instagram. How did that happen? I have a theory. Oh, what's your theory? If you're listening to this, you (laughs) should tell me. Um, He also followed Pete and the Raven House, Ah. the original Raven House, and a couple other cabin accounts. So I think I have a suspicion about Jimmy Kimmel that he might have like an interest in the cabin porn world. Okay. And so I think I think that's how he found us. To this day, I don't know. Um, but he did. And he was one of our like first 200, which was, that was the first moment where I was like, this is insane. What's happening. (laughs) This is no reflection of like what we're doing. And it's still kind of how I feel about Instagram. I can study it and reflect on it all I want, but I still, am just like, this is insane. How did this happen? Yeah. And that's how I felt when Jimmy Kimmel followed us. But those first followers were all friends and family. So I just showed up on there a lot to be like, here's what I'm doing. And then quickly people started jumping in with advice, feedback, answer to questions. And I was like, oh, this is an amazing tool for like crowdsourcing Mm. when I don't know what to do. 
And during the build, that was the number one thing I used it for was just, I'm not quite sure what direction to face this or what color I should do this. Let me just post on Instagram and people would flood into my DMs with suggestions from their experience. And it made my life so much easier and so much more enjoyable because this was the height of COVID and I'm a huge extrovert. So I was going upstairs to work every day and coming downstairs to my boyfriend and that was it. But Instagram like built this little community around the build that was so joyful for me. Yeah, so that's yeah, how it started. Yeah. What I what I love about uh, what I love about this is that your your intent from the beginning it, it not 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 only was it like a pure intent, but it was like a wise intent of like, huh, all right, I need to solve for a problem, and that and that problem is like. I'd like to generate some business in the quote unquote off season. Uh, I'd like the cabin to not just be completely empty. Um, how might I solve for that? And then, mm-hmm. and like that, you know, first principles thinking, right? Like, all right, cool. Well, maybe there's an opportunity to build something that people want to come to in and of itself or in and for itself, right? Rather than, rather than to your point, they're not, they're not just searching for free stays in Freeport and then finding and finding uh, the cozy rock cabin. They, they are specifically searching. Their intent is Cozy Rock Cabin, right? Uh, and then, yes. you know, third, okay, if that's true, well, what is a vehicle through which I might be able to propagate something like this? Oh, Instagram, right? So I, I love I love your, your thoughtfulness here. And I think some folks, right, today it's sort of just like if you – if you have, uh, if you consider yourself a designer, or you think you have a good eye, or whatever it is, like you, and you are also interested in real estate, and or you have a, a cottage in your ba- in your backyard, whatever it might be, you start an Instagram account for it. Like it's just a, kind of like a, a, a <laughs> foregone conclusion that of course you will, right? Um, and I and I think that like the the challenges that a lot of people face when you get when you hear people say, oh well, it doesn't work for us, or it didn't work, you know, oh well, we're, you know, our place isn't that cool. It's because I think they haven't done they haven't gone back to first principles, which is like, why do you have this to begin with? Like, what is your actual goal here? And the goal yes. can't just be to gain more followers. That's like, that's like a, that's a stupid goal. It's like, no, no, no. Like, why are you going, if you want to treat this like a job, if you want to treat this like an asset, like a growth asset for your business, you know, think, think of, think of it that way. Right. And I think that, and you I don't did think it so can well. be just to make money either. Yeah. Cause I think that's yeah. another reason a lot of people do it. It's like, this will help me make more money. Yeah. And I think yeah. we're smart enough now as consumers that we see right through that. And I don't know how to give advice on that front, yeah. but really my biggest Instagram advice is just like show up as yourself, yeah. be honest with your intentions and who you are. And then, yeah, there's some strategy there too that we can talk about. But I think if those pieces aren't in place, then the rest doesn't matter. And I also think the other foundational piece that people don't talk about enough, maybe because it's a hard one, which is like, I give a ton of credit to Pete. Like he is not a, he is smart on social media, but he's not like a big social media guy, but his became one of the OGs. And I think the reason for that is that his designs are that beautiful. Mm. Like he just knows what he's doing. And there is something about that cabin. I am not alone that the internet saw it and was like, this is amazing. There's something about his designs that speak to us. And he did the same thing with this one. And so Sure, we've done a lot of things on social media, but at the very core, why I think we've done so well is because Pete designed a fucking amazing cabin. And then Corey and his team put so much attention into the detail of the build. And then Jordan is a beautiful designer who said, here's how we can bring the interior to life. And then I am a project manager and a host. And I was like, all of these things have to serve our guests, right? And I think that's the foundational piece that a lot of people are like, cool, I have an Airbnb. Let me put it on Instagram, get lots of followers and make lots of money. And I just, 
I don't think that's the order of operations or even the right pieces. Yeah, especially especially today when, again, it's like they're even though, you know, Brian Chesky says that they need more hosts than ever before. There is still just like there are a lot of Airbnbs. Right. And like, try, especially as we you know enter this this next phase of the economy, um, mm-hmm. it, it's people are going to look for experiences. They're going to look for the unique and different. They'll probably travel maybe a little bit closer to home than they, they normally would. And if they are going to go stay in a short term rental, they're going to want it to feel different or they, they're going to want it to be an, an actual experience. And, you know, newsflash crafting an experience takes time it takes thinking mm-hmm. right it takes it takes originality it's not an experience because it feels like everything else right it's an experience because it feels different um yes and that i would encourage people because like for a good example i think of that and it has to be good intentioned again going back to the same thing but like i'm a big reader and when i go to a cabin i want to read a good book mm. but finding a good book is always a little bit of a challenge so in the loft we have this um triangle that i was like we should do a built-in bookshelf there it'll fill that space and it'll be a great place to store books and then i was like but i don't want them to be shitty books so i was like how do we stock <laughs> this bookshelf with good books so at this point instagram was still my small little community of like pen pals and so i went on instagram and i was like okay tell me your favorite books and if you write like three to four sentences of why you love this book, then we'll order a copy from thrift books and we'll send you one of our first koozies as a thank you. Ah. And so that's what we did. And we ordered like all these books on thrift books to collect. And then in our guest book, we have a category where all of them are written. So you can peruse and be like, okay, this is the type of book I want. Now I go upstairs, I get it from the bookshelf and I have like the perfect cabin thing to do. Um, and that was just like purely self-serving. And to be honest, I read like a ton of them during the build because wow. I was like, I want like these are all everyone's favorite books. And I was so well stocked forever. But I've seen other people now doing that, which is great, right? But I think I think the idea though is that like you have to figure out what kind of experience you want to create, what yeah. you're passionate about, what what is unique about your place, and not just scroll Instagram and be like, I like this, let me directly replicate it. I like this, let me. I mean, you can do that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I, my feelings aren't hurt by that. <laughs> it's more, I, I just have a passion for unique experiences that reflect who you are as a host. And that's one downside of Instagram, I think, is that we've had to stop thinking or or people can stop thinking like that because there's just so many ideas out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a that's a gold there. I would just want to package that and and, and hit replay. Um, it, it reminded me. I we stayed at this beautiful like place in in Kentucky, uh, right outside of, of Lexington. And the the host, she was like a florist, and she had like a beautiful beautiful garden. And every morning she would like um, pick like a, a you know she would basically create this bouquet like herself and just like leave it by the door. And it was just like this like really in like a small like like bouquet but like it was one of those things where it's like it became oh i wonder what tomorrow's bouquet is gonna look like we were there for like a week and a half right like you'd open the door and it was like again such a small and yet like a massive thing all at the same time and i think it's those it's those experiences it's like how do you how do you find something that's true to you like she was a florist it was like aligned with who she was she probably got a lot of joy out of doing it herself and yet it totally elevated the experience for guests it's like a piece of her heart right there for you yeah. to get to know her. And it also changes your experience, but it's about that human relationship behind the stays. And if you get that at a hotel, you're going to assume that this is just something they do at every room, yeah. whatever. When you get that at an Airbnb and you know that story, you're like, wow, this human is like welcoming me into their home and their life. And like, that just is a different travel experience. And that's what I don't want Airbnb to lose. And I worry in the recent growth phase, I really worry that we're losing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, Uh, so well said. 
You're a kick-ass Airbnb host. In fact, you've done such a great job at marketing your short-term rental on Instagram that you're pretty much entirely booked for the next six to 12 months. And while it doesn't happen regularly, every so often there's a cancellation or just one random three-night window of availability in the middle of the week. Now, posting about the fact that you've had a cancellation or that you've got just three nights left in February on your Instagram story is a great start, but what if you could automatically notify interested guests the second a cancellation comes through? And that's where Ping comes in. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and integrates with your Airbnb listing and allows your fans and followers to sign up to be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked for the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and will be pinged if their requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which allows you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping, it's what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. Sign up for free at www.bnbping.com. Ping. Brought to you by Spontaneous. Couple, uh, maybe maybe three final questions for you, actually, Janice. Number one is around. I, I do want to just you you have, and again, I don't want to harp on this too much, but like you have just your your following's massive, and you've you've been able to like spin up um these these other offerings, right? You mentioned that you do some one on one coaching, some consulting with some folks and whatnot, and like I, I I'm curious what you. Uh, how you think about sort of how this idea has, a, a, you know, originally initially evolved, right? Like you, you wanted to go build this cabin in Maine. Um, now you have a few homes, not a portfolio, a few homes. Um, <laughs> and, and, and now you're doing some consulting a few and places. a few special places, right? Like, so, so how, I guess, how do you think about like where you're at in your story? And, um, what, what do you think, like, when you think about what you're most excited about right now in this moment, like, what is it? Yeah, that's such a good question. Because for me, I think my Enneagram number tells you everything you need to know about all of this, which is I'm an Enneagram seven, the enthusiast. Okay. And I just lead always with like, what seems like the most fun and what gets me most energized. And those are the things that I just pursue. Like if I just can't stop thinking about it, I'm up late at night or like driving and all these ideas are going like, okay, that's what I need to do next. So for me, that's been like all of this is just like what is most exciting to me right now and what sounds like the most fun. It's never been even the cabin consultations are not about we do charge for them, but that's only because we were getting so many requests for help that I I physically don't have the time to do all of them. Yeah, so I like yeah. had to figure out a way. But it wasn't it was never like, oh, I bet I can make some money here. In yeah. fact, every time I do one, like Sean and I will be like, should we try a new restaurant? Like it's not <laughs> it's more like a, just a treat that yeah, someone yeah. would actually pay me to spend an hour with them getting to like talk about this thing that I love. Right. Um, the next thing is actually a podcast. And it's just it's specifically focused on cabin culture. And it just excites me because I've been a little not sad, but just the current Airbnb market makes me feel like a little um I don't know, just all the things we're talking about, a little yeah. hesitant about where we're going and why we're going that direction and what that is. And we want to dig deeper into this culture of cabins. Why mm. do people love cabins? What are the things that draw us in? What are the 
you know, just like you're sitting around a campfire and having these conversations and you can't do that on Insta stories and it feels really one-sided. How can we have more of these conversations? That just sounds really fun. There's yeah. like, it's like not a desire to monetize it or do anything other than like, how do we talk to cool people about this thing that we love? And I'm doing that with the the guys at the Chalet Frame who also feel similarly about that. So for me, the growth has never been about like, profit or money. It's more just like, what's the, what seems the most fun and what does the world need to, I do think about that. Like where are there holes that I think things should exist in the world that don't, Yeah, I do think about that, but if it's not fun for me and it doesn't get me really energized, then it's not going to happen. Even if it could make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so well said. Do you, do you ever think about like, um, doing this full time? Like, like, it, no, it, I love my job. Yeah. You love your job. Okay. 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 I love my job. It is getting, I will admit it's getting to a point where I'm working all of the time yeah. and yeah. I don't, I just don't know how to balance that. We're getting there, but yeah. I also love working and I love the work that I do on all of these. It doesn't feel as much like work, but I do think we're approaching a time where I'm going to have to figure out how I manage all this, but hiring a team at my video production company has been crucial. I have a team of all female filmmakers and they're amazing. And that has given me a little bit more flexibility to travel to the cabins more often. And I do work remotely from there, but it just allows a little bit more space for this. But I just love my team and love my business. And I've been running it for 12 years and can't imagine not running it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Do you, when, when you, um, we, I know we haven't talked much about your, your other, uh, your other homes, your other escapes, but like, how, how did you know, how did you know when it was time or to, to, you know, bring another escape into the family? Like what, mm. what were the, um, what were the signals that this was, this was doable? I mean, part of it is finances, whether or not you can afford it. And for me, unfortunately, there was a lot of loss in my life in a five-year period. I lost my mom to breast cancer. Mm. I lost my grandfather shortly after that. I lost my grandmother. And then just last year, I lost my grampy. Oh. I was super lucky to have my grandparents alive for as long as I did. So just to be clear, like these are not unusual losses aside from my mom, but they just happened all in a small period of time. And so... Um, for me, that made it financially doable. And I yeah. like to acknowledge that because I do think people ask a lot of questions about finances. And that allows me to be clear the privilege to be able to talk about what's most fun and heart forward hosting and all sure, of those things sure. in a way that like, for some people there, uh, like there is just a much larger need to make lots of profit or make it their full time job. And I totally appreciate that. So that was part of the timing. And part of it was just I mean, that was most of it, but then just none of these, I'd been dreaming about each of them for a while ahead of time. It was just a matter of when I would do it. The only exception to that is the one I'm in right now, which is a lake house two hours north of Cozy Rock in Maine. And this is the lake that I grew up spending my summers on. Like this oh, is the wow. lake that made me fall in love with Maine. It's not super well known. So again, it did feel like an opportunity to bring people to a place that is just like probably my favorite place in the world and be able to share that with them. But I also, it's the first one that I'm doing with my sister. So it's me and my husband and my sister and her husband because she grew up on this lake too. So it was very much, this is like kind of the first one that was a little bit different. We needed to get other people on board. And it was, we had started looking, but there aren't many houses here, let okay. alone for sale. So that one was just a matter of like, okay, there's a house for sale. And it's like seven camps down from my family camp where my uncle and aunt and cousins go. So it was just like too, too good to pass up. Do you find that, uh, be, because Cozy Rock has such a large Instagram following, do you find that some people like 
uh, end up staying in one of your other uh, homes and then being surprised that it's you know the same people that are behind Cozy Rock or like like have you have you tried to integrate the brand at all? Like do do people know like like is there a parent brand? How how do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's hard. And I have thought about that. Should we have just one Instagram? Cause I have Instagrams for all the houses, but don't spend much time on the other ones. I just can't. Yeah. Um, so I've thought about that, but again, I mean, I, it hasn't been until this year that I've actually started occasionally using the word business for it mm. because I've run a business for 12 years. I ran a startup before that. To me, those were my businesses. Yeah, this was yeah. my fun hobby. This yeah. was my mm. way to travel. This was my way to connect with other humans. And I never thought of it like a business. So I never really wanted to think about a parent brand or how do I manage that or any of those things. Um And I'm just now starting to like put pages in each of the guest books for the other cozy places you could stay. Okay. And we're just about to, we're moving into a new historic house in Hillsboro outside of an HOA. So I'm just about to start hosting in my house again, which I'm so excited about. (laughs) And so I think in each of the guest books, we'll put the other places just in case, because I do think a lot of brands have something that ties it together with aesthetics or one Instagram account or one website or things like that. And for me, They're not all the same. They're all different locations. The only common factor is that I am a very involved, conscientious host who likes to share good experiences with you. And that will happen no matter which of these you're at. So I think that's just what we're going to do is put pages in each of the guest books. So if you enjoyed this experience and are looking for a new place to go that you've never been, you might want to try one of these. Yeah. That's about the most we're probably going to integrate them right now. Yeah. No. And I think that's a super interesting strategy. And like, I'd love to, again, I know that it's not, it's not about all about the money for you. Um, but it'd be interesting to see like in the next year or so how that plays out. Cause I think there's a couple things happening right now, just like in the, in the broader, uh, like marketplace, you, you have a lot of like centralization happening and, or you have like this portfolio, uh, expansion happening where people have, they've built these cool little Instagram brands and now they're trying to build, you know, their third or fourth or, or kind of like fifth, uh, stay that's associated with this niche, like hospitality brand. Um, and so it'll just be interesting to see like, yeah, like what, what, at the end of the day, like ends up, uh, you know, doing better. And again, that's all that's relative, like what is doing better, right. But it'll be interesting to see like whether the more decentralized approach versus the more centralized approach uh, ends up becoming more popular uh, in the in the next Yeah, because from a viewer perspective, like we do own multiple properties. But again, I don't think of them collectively. From a viewer perspective, I follow some Instagram accounts that are just one house, like a great example would be McJoppa the Hut up in Minnesota. There are mm. two teachers. Do you know them? I do. I do. I do. You I haven't talked talk to them. To them. I need to haven't. talk to them. Yeah. They're like the best people. I've been able to meet them in real life when they came to North Carolina and like they just own one house. They're going to retire there and not that long. They're two teachers. And what I love about their account is like you feel like you get to know them, you know, that house, that house has personality versus I follow others that are like a treehouse collective and they're Mm. beautiful and it's very aesthetic. But I don't feel emotionally connected to them, unfortunately, to those parent ones, because I don't feel like I even get to know which house is which. I'll see a bunch of beautiful pictures, but I don't know like where I. It just feels like there's a little more distance between you and that cabin or yeah. those owners. Yeah. And so I'm very drawn to the one one place. Yep. This is the humans. This is the I don't know. It just goes back to that more intimate experience, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's also hard to, I think, like be super genuine across multiple like if you have multiple accounts right and that are all you're trying to grow them all it's also you're just dividing your energy too and it's just it's just difficult quite frankly um and it's more intentional marketing versus just like i do mine is always just like this is my account i'm the human like last night we tend to go shopping at l bean after we've had a couple drinks with dinner because it's open 24 hours a day if you didn't know that 
I didn't know that. We did. And we tell everyone that, (laughs) but we like to go after dinner. There's not a lot to do in Freeport late night. And like, you know, we Instagrammed the whole like drunk shopping experience (laughs) just because like it is my personal account too, you know, and I'm the human and this is what we're doing. And I think it's funny. And I, you know, like, so I just shared that stuff too. And it's way harder when you have multiple and you're thinking about a brand and a business and like you censor yourself more. And I do think that censorship changes your audience's relationship with you. Yeah, 100%, 100%. my last my last question for you, Janice, is around the tree cookie wall. What is <laughs> the tree cookie wall? Okay, so the saddest day of our whole build or couple of days, in my opinion, was when we had to clear the land. Mm. And anyone who's built can relate to this experience. But I think especially if you built a cabin where you're dreaming about being nestled in the woods and, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And we found this beautiful three acre piece of land that I fell in love with. And I brought my hammock and like put it out there. And we camped there the first couple of times. And you just love the land. And then it comes time to like decide where the cabin goes and just cut down a massive amount of trees. And it just feels so counterintuitive to what you want to be doing in that moment. And we were able to keep a couple big ones that I loved that I might regret down the, down the line, you know, (laughs) a bad storm hurts the house, but Um, we were really careful to keep everything. We had burn piles for scraps, but any of the large hardwood we cut up for future firewood, we ended up using them for the stumps that our guests sat at at our wedding because we got married on top of the rock. Oh no! So we were able to use those. And then we had a bunch of smaller trees and I was like, what can we do with these? And so we waited for them to dry and we cut them up into these small little tree cookies and we put them in the kitchen first and I like loved it. And Mm. just this past trip, we put some up in like a small section of the loft wall too. My the thing that was hardest for me in building a cabin was that I like rustic. I like wood. I like that. Fe- I just think it's very cozy and warm. And when you have a new build, there's a lot of drywall. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, we had thought about how do we cover that with wood, and it just got to be too many wood tones. And like, I just didn't like that there was so much drywall in a cabin. Yeah. And so yeah. for me, that was one of the projects that I knew we would do in the first year to bring in more wood and pay respect to all the trees that we had to cut down for the small cabin to fit there. And now they have a place inside the cabin, which I kind of love. Ah, oh, that is a that is a beautiful story. I love it. I'm glad I asked. Um, well, this has been a, a real treat, Janice. I honestly am so thankful that there are people like you in this community that are doing really cool things, um, charting their own course, um, just being true to who who they are, and and also like sharing that with with the world. I think that that's also important. It's one thing, you know, to be just totally yourself. It's another thing to like let other people into that. And I think it's a cool reminder mm-hmm. that like you don't have to you know, do anything but be yourself. And you don't have to just, you know, follow this convention that, you know, this conventional way of thinking about operating in this space. You don't have to buy that mastermind and do everything that that, you know, particular individual who's an SDR investor tells you to do. Like, you really can kind of carve your own your own path here. So thank you for sharing a little bit of your story with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. 
So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're gonna roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.